Welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you guys are here tomorrow. If you're tuning in on live stream, we're really excited that you're here for this morning too. We've got a great message coming from Miss Lori Montague today. So hope you're excited for that. Um, as always, we're, we're glad that you're here. If you are here for the first time or this is like your first or second time, there's a connect card in the seat in front of you. We'd love it if you felt, filled that out and just put it in one of the baskets in the back the way we can connect with you and help you get plugged in here at Southwoods. We're so glad you're here. Um, if you've been here for a while or maybe you're starting to get connected on that, on that card is also a QR code that will just take you straight to our website. If there's anything that you want to know more about us, about students or kiddos, all that stuff is going to be on our website. So that's southwoods.org. But again, that QR code is on the card in front of you. Also in front of you is Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, please take that one. We have lots and lots of Bibles. We would love to send you home with one. Um, so if you see it and you need it, feel free to take it home and um, read it as often as you can. We've just got a couple things going on today um, here at Southwoods. There's going to be a midweek service on the 25th of January. That's Wednesday. It's going to start at 7. It's up there, so please feel free to join us for that. We're going to have one a month um, just to try to connect with God during the week. Um, we've also got Hero Makers. They're down in Mexico this week, so if you're thinking of them, we're going to throw up a few pictures. Please be praying for them. They're right down on the, on the border of Mexico and um, always are, are covered by the Lord and His his, his um, prosperity and keeping them safe, but, um, you know, they're in a dangerous spot and they're doing good work, so please be praying for them this week. They come back Wednesday. Um, go ahead and stand up with us. We're just going to worship this morning. If you haven't got communion yet, feel free to grab that um, while you're standing up. We won't, we won't notice, just, but go ahead and worship with us.
go ahead and greet someone this morning. we have our ways to give slide up here so if you've been faithfully giving please know that the end of the year statements are in the back so if you gave last year we've got those for you just save a stamp you can go and grab them on the way back on your on your way out and just feel free to give as god has blessed you greg had a really cool analogy for it a couple weeks ago and it was how it's like a river like when we're giving and when we're open-handed in our giving god just provides more and more and it adds to our faith so we just encourage you to give um, give as god has blessed you and we're going to continue to worship this morning
grateful to be with you this morning. God, I pray that you would fall heavy on us. God, that whatever everyone's needing here today, God, that you would meet them, that you would deliver them, that you would help them and heal them. Father, we're grateful just to be here with you, to worship you. Father, help us to feel connected to you and connected to each other this morning. In Jesus' name.
we're getting ready to take communion, and um, I had a really sweet moment with my three-year-old this week. I was putting her to bed, and um, in her room, she has glow-in-the-dark stars and this, like, thing that projects unicorns and rainbows on the ceiling. It's like a multimedia event to go to bed. You know, a three-year-old, like, they're avoiding sleep at all costs, so we're watching the unicorns and the rainbows and the stars going around, and she was like, Mom, I'm not afraid to go to bed. And I was like, oh, you're not? And she's like, yes, because my room is a house for Jesus. And I was like, oh, and she's like, and I can see the stars way out there. And I was like, yes, you can watch the stars with Jesus. I love it. Helps her not be afraid. And I said to her, you know what? You can ask Jesus to live in your heart. And your body can be a house for Jesus. And she was like, what? She was very excited. We'll talk about it. We're going to keep talking about it more and more until you grow up. But your body can be a temple, a house for Jesus. If you just believe, you accept him into your heart. And she was like, oh, I want to do that. I was like, I bet you do. We will get there. But I was thinking about it, and we're going we're gonna to have kind of more of like a worshipful, worshipful communion experience today. I'm going to just sing it over you. But I encourage you guys, God wants to be in your heart. He wants to be in your body in the Holy Spirit, like as his temple. That's what we were designed for. When Jesus died on the cross, he tore that veil in two. Like when we take these emblems of his body and his blood, it's not just grape juice. It's not just a piece of bread. It means that he died and rose again so that he could have that communion with us. It's literally called communion. And I think we always think it like, oh, it's just like, it's communion. It's this little thing. It's literally communion with the one holy God. It's communion in that he can dwell in us. He can speak through us and heal us and be there for us. And so I encourage you, we're going to sing, I'm going to sing this song to you. And I want you, whatever posture you need to hear that or to take that, if you need to sit down or stand or be on your knees or go to the back, whatever feels comfortable, I want you to feel comfortable doing that. But the song talks about El Shaddai the God Almighty. In Hebrew, it is the God who was and is and is to come. He is all sufficient. So whatever you need today, he is sufficient for that. He is sufficient enough for you. So I encourage you, lift your hands, put your hands out, whatever you feel comfortable just communing with God during this time. We're going to start this song and feel free to take communion at whatever point feels comfortable and just allow, allow this holy God to dwell among us and to dwell in you.
Well, good morning and welcome again to Southwoods Christian Church. We do rely on his grace. Thank you. It's so good to have Kate back, isn't it? She had a baby and now she's back helping us to sing and to worship. You know, I was thinking about this morning, my son has every son's dream. He has right now the opportunity to mute his mom. (laughs) Thank you, Joe, for not muting me. You're a good boy. Well, good morning and welcome again to Southwoods. Whether you're joining us here on site or you're joining us online, we do welcome you. My name is Lori. I'm Pastor Greg's wife. And I'm speaking today because Greg is in, as we said earlier, Mexico this morning down on the border with about 15 other guys from Southwoods. And we've heard from them several times so far. Nobody's got COVID. Nobody's fallen off the roof. Everybody's doing really well. And we just so appreciate your prayers for them as they serve the children there at the children's home and also those who serve the children. And we just continue to pray for them. And why don't we just do that right now? Why don't we just bow our heads together and pray for them? Our Father, we thank you so much for this morning, for the opportunity to be here in this place, to worship you, to hear a word from you, to connect with our friends, to be encouraged, to be strengthened. We know that this place is dedicated to you, and we are dedicated to you, and we thank you that we get to come here and be encouraged. We do pray for the guys as they are in Mexico. We know that they're doing a good work. They're doing building projects and all kinds of things, but Lord, we also know they're doing even more important work, work that'll last forever, they're building into those kids. So Lord, be with them and help them to be uh, safe and help them to be encouraged and strengthened, protect them. And uh, just thank you for the example that they are and others who are here who I know have gone on these trips time after time of helping us to know what it means to serve and to learn. We thank you for that. And we look forward to uh, hearing stories about this ministry that they have. Thanks again for Jesus. And we pray all these things in his strong name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Well, there's a story that has been told uh, that there was a very hot day at the Charlotte Speedway in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's a motor speedway, and it happened on Memorial Day in 2011. It was a really, really hot day that day. And I don't know if you know much about that Charlotte Speedway, but there's a 600-mile track there. And the uh, leader of the pack had changed several times throughout the day. And at the very end of the race, just about at the very end, it looked like Dale Earnhardt Jr. was a sure thing for the win. Everybody expected him to win, and that's what we were hoping would happen. But then something happened on the last turn that caused the race to change. Actually, a guy named Kevin Herrick crossed the finish line a couple of seconds just ahead of him, and he won the race. And Dale's car, the one they thought was going to win, came sputtering in second place. The race announcers were shocked. They really had expected him to win. He was the one they actually thought would win. And they said, hey, he didn't lose because his car broke down. He didn't lose because he hit another car or because he spun out of control or, you know, hit the wall. But they said he lost this race because he ran out of gas. Oh, how disappointing. For his pit crew, how disappointing for him, how disappointing for all the people who had spent the money, you know, to sponsor him. He ran out of gas, something that could have been fixed. Interesting, isn't it? Well, this true story was told by my father, Pastor Norman Maynard, in a sermon that he wrote in 2011 and then again in 2013. And he entitled the sermon, He ran out of gas. (laughs) And I know my dad well enough to know that he probably said, he ran out of gas. Let's don't do that. 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure. Now, as many of you know, for the past few weeks, my mom, sweet Norma Maynard, has been with me from Ohio, and we've been enjoying our time here in Kansas. We've had so much fun. We've, we've spent so many fun things together during the holidays. And a lot of you know that recently she sold her home in Ohio, and she's been spending more time now with my sister, who lives nearby in Ohio, and my other sister in North Carolina, and then also me here in beautiful Kansas. I think we're the winners, right? Yeah. <laughs> but this summer, as we were uh, preparing to sell her home, as you, a lot of you know uh, how this is, you go through things, closets and drawers, and you're just looking at stuff, right, and going through them. And it was during that time, as we were going through the contents of her home, that we had so many special memories and stories that were told as we looked at stuff, uh, but it was during this time that we came across these files and these boxes of my dad's sermons, and my dad was a pastor for uh, over 60 years. He preached, really, till the day he died. He was, he was sharing the gospel, and so as we were going through these sermons that are carefully organized and stored, just like my dad, uh, my mom and my sisters decided that I could be the keeper of the sermons. That's what they called me, the keeper of the sermons. And so for now, those sermons are with me, and what a privilege, what an honor of having them in my possession, and I've so enjoyed just the opportunity to read through these sermons and to see you know, the life of my dad as a pastor. And a lot of these sermons I didn't hear, a lot of them I did when I was younger, but of course many of them I didn't. Well, in this particular sermon where my dad is talking about Dale Earnhardt Jr., he talks about why this caught his attention. He wasn't necessarily a fan of NASCAR and never really had followed them at all. But for several years, after mom and dad retired from a local church ministry, they uh, went down to North Carolina to see Sherry and Bob, my sister. And a lot of you know Bob and Sherry. They've been to Israel with us, and they serve with the African Christian Mission. He's been here to speak about that as well. So they'd go down there in North Carolina. It's nice and warm, and grandchildren, great-grandchildren, they would enjoy some time down there. And then Sherry found this really unique opportunity for them to rent uh, a totally unique experience on the speedway, an off-season condominium that was very affordable, believe it or not, and so they did it. And so for several years, they would leave the cold, wintry area of Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, and go and spend some time in turn number one, right, on the Charlotte Speedway in this off-season condominium that was actually very affordable. Of course, we went to see them. We had to see this. You know, this is amazing. And I always said to Dad, for a retired pastor, you know, you're supposed to be slowing down, right? And here you are living on the fast track. This is the fast lane. And then Greg would say, we're coming down here to make sure you stay on the right track, Norman, you know. So that was their experience. And we joked about that. But it was during this time, those years, that he uh, wrote this sermon. And he said these words. I'd like to share them with you. He said, reading about Dale Earnhardt Jr., there it's up here on the screen, run out of gas, you know, in the very final seconds. He said, reading about that made me think of a metaphor that the Bible uses to illustrate the essence of the Christian life. Dad went on to say, the Bible indicates that as Christians, we are in a race. We race against the devil. We race against evil. We race against temptation. We are in a race to win. But this race, this race that you and I are in, offers a prize, a prize that is worth much more than all of the earthly prizes added together. That's my dad. 
And so friends, this morning, uh, this, I would love to share with you, and it's a privilege to share with you some thoughts from my dad's sermon. As I was digging around in the box, I thought, I'm just going to share this sermon with you guys in hopes that this year as we at Southwoods Christian Church, as we run the race together, that we will not run out of gas. Let's not run out of gas. Now, you know, this image of racing is actually in the scripture quite a bit, if you look carefully. I don't think there are any uh, NASCAR races. There aren't even any automobile races, unless you maybe would count. Uh, do you remember when Pharaoh was chasing Moses into the Red Sea with all those chariots? They had a lot of horsepower, yeah? And they were racing right after the Israelites. They ended up in the Red Sea all drowned, so it didn't work out for them. But the Bible does actually mention several foot races. It happens again and again throughout Scripture. Paul's the one who talks about it a lot. He must have been a runner is what I think. Look at Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He's talking to the, the Ephesian elders there. We know he loved that church, and he's pretty much saying goodbye to them. And he says to those elders there at the Ephesus church, he says, you know, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race. And he said, I want to complete the task. What was his task? He says, my task that the Lord Jesus has given me is to testify to the gospel of God's grace. He wanted to finish the race strong. Another place, he says another thing similar to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But actually only one gets the prize, right? Run in such a way so that you get the prize. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. It's that prize that my dad was talking about. Another place the Apostle Paul also says in 1 Timothy 4, he's writing to a young preacher, Timothy, young guy, and he's encouraging him like a lot of you do with young folks. And he said, you know, Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. He's towards the end here. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, Paul says, but also to all, all of you who have also longed for his appearing. So those are three places where the Apostle Paul talks about this idea of a foot race and finishing strong, finishing well, being faithful to the very end. But today I want to focus our attention on another passage of scripture that my dad used in this sermon. And it's a very familiar one. It comes from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. You've heard these verses before. He says these words, therefore, and I believe this is Paul writing. You know, a lot of people don't know for sure who wrote the book of Hebrews, but there's an awful lot of evidence that says it was probably Paul, but it's a good book regardless of who put these words into uh, ink. Therefore, he says in Hebrews 12, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Some of us learned it, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Why? For the joy set before him, he, Jesus, endured the cross. He scorned its shame. He sat down at the right hand of the Father of the throne of God, and we should consider him 
the one who endured such opposition from sinners. Why? So that we will not grow weary. So that we will not lose heart. Isn't that a beautiful passage of scripture? Gives you motivation to keep on running. I like it so much because in this passage of scripture, the writer doesn't compare the Christian race to a sprint, right? But rather to a marathon. (laughs) It's a marathon, and some of us know what it is. It's a marathon. In a sprint, you run fast, right? But in a marathon, it's a long distance. You run far. Endurance is what matters. Not quitting is what matters. And we love stories of perseverance, don't we? I mean, I love these kinds of stories. I read them all the time. Think about the cyclist or the runner who trains and trains and trains and then finally gets in that you know, race. And then we go, wow, that's an amazing story. And they win. you know. Or the mountain climber. We like to climb mountains, not like these kind of mountains. But there's people that you know, study these mountains for years. And then they set out on these courses. And they achieve these great summits, you know, just amazing. Now, am I right that last night I went to bed and one team was winning and at the very end another team won? Is that what happened last night? Did it? I still haven't gotten clarity on that, but I did see that. I was totally surprised. What a story, right? They didn't quit. It looked like they were down, but now they're still going, right? An amazing, we love these kind of stories of people who don't quit. That's why Paul's words are so encouraging. We all identify with it when he says, I've kept the faith. I have finished the course. And now I'm ready to receive the crown (laughs) that the Lord has for me. We love these kind of stories because, as my dad said, finishing the race is critically important. (laughs) Doesn't that sound like dad? Critically important for all of us who follow Jesus. We must not run out of gas before the race is over. So how can we be sure? How can we be sure that we're going to finish the race successfully? Well, Hebrews 12 gives us a few ideas, and my dad had a few ideas about this as well. The first idea my dad shared in this sermon is he said, we need to do this. We need to remember those who have run before us. We need to just remember those who have run before us. Chapter 12 of Hebrews is an interesting passage of scripture. It starts with a therefore. And for years, I might have learned this from my dad. I don't know exactly who to give it credit for to. But I always said, if there's a therefore there, you have to ask the question, why is it therefore? <laughs> why is the therefore therefore, right? It's there for a reason. Well, this therefore at chapter 12 is there because the therefore in chapter 12 is connecting us with all of chapter 11. The writer wants you to say, oh, therefore, oh, let's go back and look for a minute at chapter 11 and see why. Because what you find in chapter 11 is that there's this long list, long list of (laughs) non-quitters, faithful followers of Jesus who finished strong. And some of them did some amazingly hard things. One of them is Noah. Verse 7 talks about Noah. Did you know that for 120 years Noah was building that ark? 120 years. I mean, we talk about doing the same thing for 10, 20, 30 years. I've been doing the same thing. 120 years. He was building an ark. And we know that he was ridiculed. We know that he was embarrassed and probably made fun of along the way. But he didn't quit. He kept on faithfully finishing the task that the Lord had given him to complete. He finished strong, and God rewarded him for it. And he's in this great cloud of witnesses 
in Hebrews chapter 11. Another guy is Abraham. Abraham, we know, is the father of the Jewish nation, right? But you remember his story. We've read through it recently. He was asked to leave his home country and to go. Go to a place that I'll show you. He didn't even tell him where he's going. I will tell you, but you need to go first. God asked him to go, and he did go. And then God said, you will have a son. But then God said, let's just wait on that. <laughs> and he waited, and he waited. And finally, he had a promised son, Isaac. And then God said, take that son whom you love, your only son, and take him to Mount Moriah. And there I'd like for you to sacrifice him. What? In every single way, Abraham was faithful. The Bible says that he passed every single test, and it was credited to his account as righteousness. Today, we call him the father of a great nation. The Bible calls him a friend of God. Isn't that interesting? A friend of God. He was faithful. And he's in this great cloud of witnesses. Another one is Joseph, one of my favorite Bible guys. You remember him, sold into slavery by his brothers, accused of crimes that he didn't commit, then put in prison, forgotten in prison. And then Joseph quits. No, he doesn't. Of course he doesn't. He doesn't quit. He remained true to God. And God rewarded him. He becomes second in command of Pharaoh, prime minister, controlling vast amounts of money, and grain, and people, and he's a real help to his nation and to the nations around him. He was finally reunited with his brothers who sold him into slavery. There's that beautiful moment of forgiveness, and God rewarded his faithfulness because he didn't quit. Spend some time in Hebrews 11 sometime. You'll see that the list goes on and on. Moses, Samson, Samuel, women, Sarah, Rahab, Gideon, David, and others. And the Bible calls all of these people a great cloud of witnesses. Not like the cloud that we put our pictures in and our documents. No, this is a whole different kind of cloud. It was the original idea with the Lord. These guys, these men and women, are a great cloud of witnesses. Men and women who did not quit. Who did, as my dad would say, not run out of gas. They finished strong, and they were faithful. And I include my dad in that great cloud of witnesses. You have people that you also have known and loved and witnessed their life. And you, too, say, I think they're in that great cloud of witnesses. And how thrilling is it? How thrilling is it to know that as we run this race of life together that we're in, that there literally are millions of saints from long ago, and from recent past, who I believe are cheering us on. They desperately want us to finish strong. It's like being at Arrowhead Stadium, you know, and being Travis Kelsey and receiving a great pass from our Patrick Mahomes and then having the opportunity to run into the end zone and all those people are doing what? They're cheering him on. Same kind of idea, only much, much bigger. And whenever I read this passage of scripture, I cannot help but think, of the many, many people in my life who have gone before and have been a personal encouragement to me in this race. In my dad's sermon, there are just people listed one after another, after another, after another. You wouldn't know all of them, but I know all of them. And I know how they influenced my father's life, my family's life. Amazing men and women who were faithful. In my own life, I have people like my dad who has gone before me, my mom who continues, right, to be running the race just a little bit ahead of me 
just a little bit ahead of me, my sisters, my aunts and uncles, many of them who are in that cloud of witnesses or who are still here on this earth, my husband, a godly family, my mother-in-law, teachers, leaders, coaches, college professors, friends. You have them too, don't you? People who have run the race or who are running the race with you now, and every day they encourage you and they strengthen you. We truly are running a race together. It truly is a race that we're running together. And in the same way as I've looked to these people for inspiration and encouragement along the way, it reminds me to also be that for others. You know, others are looking to us as well. So let's run well. Let's run well and be that kind of a, a runner who finishes strong and encourages the young people who are also watching us. So first thing my dad said is, let's remember those who have run before us and even those who are running with us. Secondly, we need to prepare ourselves for the race. It's not just enough to look to those who have done it before and go, well, I'm running on the end of their, their, their coattails, right? No, the, the writer of Hebrews here says we need to take some accountability as well. And we also need to be prepared for this race. Look at it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, reminds us of these words. The writer says, therefore, what's the therefore? We went back, right? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what do we need to do? Well, we need to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. He uses a really active word here, throw off everything that hinders. Get rid of it. I mean, none of us can imagine a marathon runner getting ready. Some of you are marathon runners, and you're so lean. I always admire that. I'm like, yeah. That's how come they can run these long races. They're so lean and mean. But we could never imagine you guys getting at the beginning of a 26-mile run and putting on hiking boots or putting on ski boots, right? No, I mean, you dress for the occasion. You run in such a way that your clothes help you to do that. Or, I mean, who would ever see, like, an Olympic swimmer, you know, ready to, to do a long, long thing in the swimming pool, put on a, a winter coat or maybe, like, some mittens, it, that would look stupid. We say, "What's up with that guy? He doesn't even understand." No, no, we they don't wear very much when they swim. I remember years ago, my sister told me a story that her son—I think he was in a uh, freshman in high school—and he was he was swimming competitively, and he came home one day and he said, "Mom, I need to shave my head, I need to shave my arms, I need to shave my legs." And she's like, "What? Why?" He had beautiful hair. I want to be the fastest swimmer, and that stuff is holding me back. That hair on my arms and my legs is holding me back. He wanted to be fast. He wanted to go far. Well, in the same way, you know, the writer of Hebrews says, let us throw off everything that hinders us. Again, a very active verb there. Throw it off. Get rid of it, especially the sin, because the sin, he says, has this ability to entangle. And I think you all know what I'm talking about, how sins just, it gets messy. It just gets messy. It entangles us. So Paul says here, if you want to really run the race, you got to get rid of everything that's hindering you, and you need to especially give the sin to Jesus. Let's get rid of it. And I always think that January is such a good time to take inventory. I think a lot of the marketing encourages us to do that. And maybe it's time to, to do that very same thing, you know, spiritually, and just ask ourselves, hey, are there any relationships in my life, you know, that are they're just hurting more than they're helping? 
Let's just be honest. They're hurting more than they're helping. Maybe I need to take inventory of that relationship and adjust how much influence or how much time or how, you know, just, just take inventory of it. Or maybe it's our possessions. Maybe we have some things, I talked about this a few weeks ago, I think last month, some things that just you know, are taking uh, us away from our primary focus in life. And it happens all the time. Maybe it's our habits or hobbies. Um, I mean, they can be great, but also they can be draining of, of all kinds of things and not replenishing. And if we really want to finish strong, right, and we really want to be prepared, and we really want to do what this cloud of witnesses is encouraging us to do, the Apostle Paul, or whoever is writing this book, says, throw it off. Get rid of it. Don't allow it to slow you down. Take some inventory, and January is a good time to do that. God's desire is for each of us to throw off the things that are hindering us, especially the sin. And then as you throw them off, I always say, as you remove them you know, from your life, replace them with good and godly things, healthy relationships, healthy people, healthy practices, healthy patterns of thinking, healthy uh, processes that we put into place in our life. So step number one, according to my dad and the writer of Hebrews, if we really want to finish strong, number one is to remember those who have gone before us and even those who are running with us. And then secondly, take some accountability and let's say, I'm going to prepare. I, too, am going to prepare for this great race. And then third, Hebrews 12, and my dad, reminds us, number three, that we need to focus our attention on Jesus. In a world that's full of ADD and a lot of distractions, and that's me, I am very distracted easily, the Apostle Paul says here, hey, let's just focus our eyes on Jesus. He says it uh, this way, let us fix our eyes. It's kind of an older word, but it means the same thing, fix, focus. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Why? So that we will not grow weary, so that we will not lose heart. I think it's interesting that, 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 that the writer here says, fix your eyes on Jesus. And he's not just asking us to look at a picture of Jesus. You know, a lot of us have images that are special to us of Jesus. He's not just asking us to look, you know, at a picture of Jesus. But he's really asking us to remember all of the life of Jesus. Not just the nativity that might still be on your mantle. <laughs> not just that beautiful Christmas story, which actually was quite hard for Mary and Joseph and Jesus. But the whole life of Jesus. Fix your eyes on the fact that, that he wasn't always accepted. <laughs> People didn't always like him. Fix your eyes on the fact that his very best friend, Peter, one of his very best friends, denied him at a critical moment. Fix your eyes on the fact that Judas, another one of his best friends, actually betrayed him, took money, and handed him over to the people that would crucify him. Fix your eyes, if you will, on the suffering that he endured, all the cross experience. And then even, if you will, fix your mind, as Hebrews says, on the joy set before him, because that's why he did it. You are included in that. You are the joy that was set before him. He did it, and he resurrected from that grave, putting sin to death so that we might have eternal life. That was the joy, and that was, is what motivated him. And the writer here says, if you fix your eyes on Jesus, it will help you. It will help you to do hard things. It'll help you not to grow weary. It'll help you not to lose heart. It'll help you not to quit. It'll help you, as my dad says, not run out of gas. <laughs> 
focusing on Jesus and all the hard things that he did in this life will help each of us. It helps me to run the race and to keep running and to be encouraged and not grow weary. And, you know, when I think about those uh, in my life and in the Bible who have run the race well and who have focused on Jesus, I cannot help but think of the early church. I love the local church. I love the early church. I read those stories again and again. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, 2.42 of Acts, it says these words, all the believers, every one of them, all, the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? To fellowship, to breaking bread, sharing meals, even the Lord's Supper, as Kate has led us through this morning, and to prayer. Those were their practices. You can call them the core four or whatever you want, but those were the things that says that the early church was fully devoted on. They were focused on those practices, and that helped them to keep focused. On Jesus. Read about it in 242. And in the coming weeks, as we've already mentioned, here at Southwoods during our midweek service, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be every Wednesday night, once a month, focusing on these aspects of the early church. We're going to be talking about fellowship and the Lord's Supper and the breaking of bread and prayer and uh, just community and the opportunities to be together. And I do hope that you'll join us every Wednesday that you can. Uh, throughout the winter months, and you want more information about that, you can pick up a card in the back, or you can check out our website. The first one's January 25th. January 25th, it's called An Evening of Prayer and Worship. I do hope that you'll join us, because I believe that when we come together, it helps us, doesn't it? Not only to worship, but also to have this opportunity to get focused, especially if you've had a a rough week. Wednesday night is a good opportunity to come and be focused. So the Apostle Paul here tells us to do these three things. Remember those who have run the race and those that are running with you. Don't forget to stay prepared. And the best way to do that is get rid of the stuff that's slowing you down. Get rid of the stuff that's too heavy. Get rid of the things that are just making it hard. And finally, and perhaps most importantly, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, did it. You too can do it. Now, you know, I was thinking, how do I wrap up this great message of my dad, these points, and how do I do that? And I was looking for a good way to wrap it up. And then I thought, you know what, the best way to wrap up this message is with a story about my dad. As a lot of you know, that um, in September of 2020, he passed away. And I always think about this. I think so clearly about that time when he did pass away. And I absolutely know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he left us and he went running (laughs) into the arms of Jesus, into that winner's circle. Because though his body ran out of gas, and all of ours are and will run out of gas, our bodies will, his spirit did not. And his spirit today, as I said, is in that great cloud of witnesses. We had a beautiful service. It was in the middle of COVID that he passed away. And a lot of you have been through that same experience, trying to figure out how do we have a service. And so we did. We were able to have a beautiful service. And there were a lot of things that were said. Mom and I were even talking about it on the way in this morning. A lot of beautiful things that were said. A lot of people spoke of his love, his life, his leadership, his love of family, his love of the local church, his amazing influence on young men and women 
who all went into the ministry and are preaching and teaching to this day. And as I listened to those things that were being said of my dad, and mom said some things, really rare, isn't it? But she got up and said some beautiful things about dad, did it so well. Uh, my sisters and I, we all did. Uh, but I kept looking at this picture that we'd chosen of my dad that, that we took on a trip of ours to Colorado. And the verse that we chose to put under that picture of my dad was this. It says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now there awaits for me a crown that the Lord has prepared for me. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I remain faithful. That was my dad. Faithfully finishing the good fight. Faithfully finishing the good fight. In other words, as he would say, I didn't run out of gas. <laughs> I did not run out of gas. And so today, he reminds me, and I hope even as I'm sharing some of his thoughts here this morning, he's reminding you, along with the writer of Hebrews chapter 12, that we too can finish strong. We too cannot run out of gas. It's imperative that we don't run out of gas. And as he has joined that great cloud of witnesses and others have, we too can do that. And I think all of them who are cheering us on would say, you can do it. It is a long-distance run. <laughs> it's not a sprint. It is a marathon. It is hard. But remember to fix your eyes on Jesus, who did hard things for each of us, and allow that to be our encouragement so that one day we all will cross that line, we'll finish well, and we will enter into that winner's circle. That's really my encouragement for you today that in January we will all just say, let's run this race together. Let's make every effort to run the race with perseverance that has been marked out for us, and let's finish strong. Will you do that with me? Let's stand together for closing prayer. Let's ask the Lord to help us in this, because I believe with each other's help and especially with the Lord's help, we can do this. We can finish strong. It's my desire. And I thank my dad for his thoughts here, and I hope you've been blessed by them. Who knows? You might hear some other sermons from Norm, because I am the keeper of the sermons. <laughs> for now, I am as well. Also, please be praying for our hero makers. They will be home on Wednesday. And again, eager to hear their stories and all that God is doing there. And if there's anything we can pray for you today, please come forward, and I'd be happy to pray. And I know there's others here who would be happy to pray with you as well. And don't forget January 25th, the first of our midweek series for 2023. So let's bow together. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you again so much for this morning and for the opportunity to be here and just to uh, hear a word from your word. I thank you for my dad. And oh, I don't want to cry, but Lord, I thank you for his life and for his ministry and the way that he blessed so many, including me. And I just pray, Lord, that you continue to help each of us to have that opportunity in life, that as we interact with people, to be a witness of you, to tell others and to encourage them that even though life is hard, and we know that it is, Lord, but nobody knows it better than Jesus. He knows how very hard it is, and we know that he walks with us in every way. And so, Lord Jesus, would your spirit fill us this day? Would you fill us with love and joy and patience and all the spirit fruit that we need? to do life today and tomorrow and the next day. May it be our desire to faithfully finish the good fight for your glory 
and for the good of all those around us who are watching and learning and being strengthened by it. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be here this day, and we do pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good week.